Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody welcome to Howard David live I'm gonna take a bite of the Big Apple and begin with uh, the, the uh, New York Jets and Randy Lang has been covering the Jets uh, in one form or another for quite a while uh, going back even to the 70s correct me if I'm wrong but did you interview Namath at that time when he was still with the Jets as a player yeah Howard uh, great great to talk with you again uh, those are uh, fond memories I I ended up with the assignment of uh, covering the Jets in the 1975 training camp for two weeks uh, with a uh, small uh, suburban New Jersey newspaper. And uh, Joe Namath was there, and I figured I'd say hello to him. And uh, I remember him being kind of grumpy that day, but uh, he's gotten a lot better over the years, and we have a good relationship these days. Uh, but that was really kind of my first uh, touchdown with the Jets. And uh, somehow I have always uh, stopped back with them uh even after a couple of years, and now lately I've been with them uh, forever, it seems. Uh, with the Bergen record in 1994 as the beat writer, and I've been with the Jets since 2007. So you said you're a consultant with the Jets. Uh, how did that evolve? Well, I started out with the Jets in 07 as uh, the, I think they called me the uh, director of publications and uh, editor-in-chief, and uh, so uh, you know, I and my good friend Eric Allen, uh, not the Philadelphia cornerback, but uh, EA with the uh, the Jets, uh, we got the thing uh, rolling really good in 07, worked together, and uh, then we went more into multimedia, to video and, and audio, and uh, of course we're still putting out the printed word, uh, because it is still somewhat in demand, but uh, you know, Eric Allen is uh, is the face of, uh, of the Jets multimedia organization, uh, he's got a great uh, compadre in Ethan Greenberg there, and uh, I'm still uh, assisting on the, uh, the the printed word side, the editorial side, with stories, reporting, consulting, and uh, just just enjoying my my time right now covering the team pretty much from my couch, like yeah. Benny Testaverde used to uh, watch the Jets from his couch on Long Island. Uh, uh, Randy, let, let's talk about the franchise. The franchise has been been somewhat of a punchline over the last 10 years, but, and I'm just going to inject my own feeling about it, the addition of uh, what Joe Douglas has accomplished so far, the addition of Robert Sala, it seems to me that for the first time in a long time, the team has a direction, and I mean that in, the, in a positive way. Well, I think you're right. Uh, you know, every time a new regime comes in, a new coach, a new GM, you, you always hope for the best. You always take the, uh, the things that resonate with you from what they say and uh, the things that they do early on. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, since uh, Rex Ryan's second year with uh, Mike Tannenbaum uh, in 2010, getting to the AFC title game for the second straight year, 
it really hasn't gone so well for the Jets. And, uh, you know, the, certainly the team hears it and uh, the, the fans are aware of it. Um, you know, from the outside, it, it hasn't been good. But uh, always the team tries to build towards something. And, and uh, lately they seem to have been getting the right answers. They got Joe Douglas in uh, a couple of years ago in, in May, actually. He came in after the draft and after free agency. Uh, but he got cranked up in 2020 last year and, and continued this year. And, you know, not every move has been great, but lately it seems like a lot of the moves he's making have been superb. And uh, bringing in Robert Sala as uh, the, the next head coach of the Jets, uh, you know, you don't know until you see how the, the, pro, the program evolves on the field. But everything that Robert Sala has done and said seems to be uh, – just a breath of fresh air he's building a culture he's got a point of view uh you know he's not a uh, hard you know son of a gun kind of coach but he knows what the players need what they want he seems to be reaching them and he's got a lot of good talent this year from joe douglas and, and his front office and personnel team uh to get this thing going in the right direction i mean who knows how far they can go you you hope for the best you, you hope that the worst is, is gone and behind you, but it seems like Robert Sala and Joe Douglas have formed a very good team to bring the Jets into the 2021 season and beyond. When they uh, parted ways with Sam Darnold, I talked to a lot of guys. and I, I, I didn't get an overwhelming uh, reaction one way or the other. It was split down the middle. Half the people I talked to said they should have kept Darnold. Half the people said they should have gotten rid of him. And so now for the fifth time in, I guess, about 10 years, they've drafted another quarterback. And in Zach Wilson, uh, and I'm not going to base it all on one preseason game because that's ridiculous. But the preseason game against the Giants on Saturday, uh, was he great? No. Um, Did he make mistakes? No. I thought he was solid. I thought he looked poised. Uh, He looked like a guy that was in command of the huddle. And that was a good start. Now, having said that, uh, they have a, 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 a session with the Green Bay Packers yesterday, and and uh, Zach got a toast of a, a little touch of reality because Green Bay's defense, uh, you know, sacked him seven times. Now, is it all on him? Of course not. But the offensive line was going to be a concern coming into this year, right? Well, it was, and it's it's a work in progress. And Joe Douglas began that work last year, and um, it didn't probably you know it it didn't rise to the occasion for sam darnold because sam was under a lot of pressure and and it wasn't all on him um you know i i feel bad for the for the young man i think he's he's going to do okay in the nfl and uh you know he certainly didn't uh have the the tools around him that he needed uh but he moved on the jets traded into carolina got got a good haul for him And uh, that's part of why they have good talent now surrounding Zach Wilson. Uh, Now, as far as Zach goes, you don't know after one preseason game and and a a joint practice against the Packers. But I will say this, uh, a week before the Giants game, uh, so two Saturdays ago, they had the green and white practice at MetLife Stadium. uh, So it's Jets against Jets. And and, uh, Zach did not look great in that uh, scrimmage. He had more opportunity to play against the first and second defenses on, on the Jets. He, his throws were a little off target. His footwork seemed a little antsy. Um, 
maybe a little, uh, you know, more than you'd like to see of the sidearm throws and the three quarters as opposed to over the top. In one week, it seemed to me that, again, very limited exposure against the Giants, two drives and uh, nine passes, but he looked a lot better. He, he completed six of nine. His throws were on the money. He hit third down passes. I think he was two out of three on third down with the third one, uh, probably uh, w- with a better uh, spot would have been a third conversion. So it's not a lot to go by. Uh, and then the Packers are, are putting him through the paces. And I'm interested to see how he responds today after uh, a day against the Packers yesterday. Uh, and then, of course, on Saturday afternoon in Green Bay uh, in the preseason game uh, that they'll be playing against the Packers then. But uh, Zach seems to be a guy who doesn't make mistakes uh, twice. He, he gets it right. He asks a lot of questions. He wants to be prepared. And he seems to, to make progress quickly. So we're going to be seeing how quickly that progress comes this week against the, uh, the green and gold. He, uh, he seemed to, uh, well, he's, he's uh, had a lot of high regard for Aaron Rodgers, and why not? So he spent some time with him uh, yesterday, and one of the things that he talked about was he discussed one of the things you just mentioned. He discussed with Aaron Rodgers about footwork. Uh, look, I, this guy's a fil- film junkie. He loves to watch film. He watches a lot of it, and, and I look at that as a, as a major positive because he's going to spend a lot of time learning his craft. So now he's got a deal. Look, the Packers were 13-3 and three last year. So he's going against one of the better teams in the league. The thing is, is that what Douglas has done for Wilson, that wasn't the case with Darnold, he surrounded him with talent, particularly offensively. Uh, the wide receiver core is an upgrade. Uh, Corey Davis is an addition. Denzel Mims uh, in his second year looks better. The guy I haven't seen yet on the field is Elijah Moore, and I can't wait because... I think this guy's going to be terrific. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to get around to him, and I'm glad you got to him before I did because uh, Elijah's not working this week. Uh, has a, a ding, and he's. Uh, I, I don't think he's play on Saturday, but he he did perform uh, in practice and has been uh, hooking up with Zach, and he he looks phenomenal. I mean, the Jets, you know, Sala and Douglas both gush about how, you know, they didn't think he was going to be there in the, the round two, and he was there, and they jumped all over it. And when he's been on the field for the Jets, he's shown that that capacity to all people to, uh, you know, to light things up. He's, he's kind of a slot guy, but they can line him up outside. He's got the speed. He's got the moves. Uh, so far, when he's been on the field, it's been great to see. So that's something to look forward to with with Zach teaming up with Elijah Moore. Uh, but you mentioned Corey Davis, a veteran, you know, of uh, uh, you know, with the Titans, who's proved that he uh, can be possibly that number one receiver. Um, certainly was was in the running there with the Titans and and putting numbers up almost to a thousand yards. I wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets there this year. We also have Jamison Crowder, who's kind of, uh, you know, he, he's proven that he's a, an old warhorse, not that old, but uh, but he knows how to, uh, you know, maneuver and, and to get 
get open and uh, showed it with two years with the Jets, before that with the Redskins and, uh, oops, sorry, Washington uh, football team. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so you, you got him. You got Keelan Cole from uh, the Jaguars, who's a, a proven receiver. Mims, you mentioned, starting to come on after having a really bad offseason of food poisoning and trying to get back into form. So he, he looks like he might be ready to rock. And, you know, so there's a lot of good things on the uh, offense. The, the the tight ends, you know, still are a work in progress. Chris Herndon, we keep waiting for him to develop and, and to just have put together a whole season. He's put together four games at a time, but that's not enough. Uh, but, you know, Ryan Griffin's there, and uh, Tyler Croft came in from Buffalo. So, you know, that and then the offensive line, again, not to overdo it. we got to see how it performs, how it gels. But you got Mackay Becton, who looks like a, a keeper for a, a decade at left tackle. you got Morgan Moses fighting with George Fan at right tackle, two veterans. Uh, you've got Van Roten at right guard. You've got uh, you know, Connor McGovern at center, a proven commodity. And Elijah Vera Tucker, who hasn't played again because he's been dinged up. Uh, I, again, don't think he's going to be going on Saturday, but it, they don't think it's going to be long-term or anything. But, you know, he comes in as, as the other first-round pick behind Zach Wilson uh, as the left guard. So uh, there's a lot of good things uh, to look forward to on that offense for Jet fans. Uh, talking about Randy Lang with the Jets, I, I look at this uh, running back room they put together. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody has emerged as the guy. Ty Johnson's got an opportunity. Michael Carter's had chances. We know about Tevin Coleman. Uh, LaMichael, is it Perrine or Perrine? Uh, he goes by Perrine or Perrine. Perrine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's had who's got had a couple of touches also. So I don't know if anybody, if they're going to do this running back by committee or they're waiting for one guy to emerge. How do you see it? Well, I think it's definitely a committee look. Um, you know, they brought in Tevin Coleman. He's the one guy that Sala knew a lot about. I mean, Sala did not push for Joe Douglas to bring in all his old 49er offense and defense acquaintances from the last four years. But the one guy they brought in was Tevin Coleman. And you look at his numbers, you say, well, he looks like he's on the downside of his career after last year. He was banged up quite a bit, and he did not perform as he wants and, and as the Niners wanted last year. But the, the Jets have a lot of confidence in what Coleman can bring to the table now that he's healthy. He's, he's a very quick guy, not, probably not noted for that, but he's got some speed, some, some moves. Uh, he's a 10 yards per carry receiver, which I think will come in handy in the, the West Coast offense and the, and the wide zone uh, running game. So you got to look at Tevin as being, you know, a guy that has the most experience and he's going to perhaps lead the way. But you mentioned Perrine. He's a tough you know, dirty yard, as, as Salah said today, he's the guy you want to get that dirty yard for you. He, he can go outside, but he can also go inside. Ty Johnson, Josh Adams look very interesting, let's say, in limited action last year. And Michael Carter, you mentioned, as we got two Michael Carters on the team, so you got to go either Michael O. Carter or Michael D. Carter or uh, Michael Carter 1 and 2. But this guy looks like he can, in time, be a very – uh, useful uh, performer, especially maybe in the third down offense and, uh, you know, spotting him in there when uh, he, they need to get a change up uh, to throw the defense off balance. So, uh, again, you know, you, you don't want to oversell it too much, but it looks like it's a really good running backs room. If I had said that the defensive front was the strength of this defense, 
Would you agree with that when you look at Carl Lawson and Rankin and Quinn Williams and Vinnie Curry? Absolutely. Uh, the the defensive line looked good coming into this season uh, with Quinn Williams leading the way and, and Foley Fadakasi, uh kind of coming into his own a little bit last year. Uh, and then they went out and got Carl Lawson, who, you know, NFL fans probably aren't, uh, you know, in awe of this guy yet. But he's, he's got a very interesting skill set. Um, he's kind of a, a squat, a little smaller uh, edge rusher than um, you're probably used to seeing. But he's got a lot of quarterback hits. I, I think he's, he leads the NFL in quarterback hits per defensive snap, which is a real esoteric stat. But this guy is bringing it. And uh, I look forward to him having a very good year. Uh, rushing the pass, so that would be really good for the Jets to get an edge rusher that they can count on for 16 games. And so, you know, you go through the list. You got Quinn and you got Foley. John Franklin Myers looking pretty good uh, on the other side. And then the free agents they brought in, uh, besides Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins was a very good player for the Saints inside before he had Achilles problems. Uh, he seems to be over then. He wants to make a difference. Uh, Vinnie Curry hasn't seen the field yet. He may not get on the field until uh, maybe game two of the season, but he's a proven um, outside rusher type guy from the Eagles and also a Jersey Shore guy, so let's not discount that. So uh, Bryce Huff is another guy. I mean, we can go on and on. The defensive line definitely feels like the strength of this unit uh, that is turning to the 4-3 defense under uh, uh, Sala and under defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbricht. Let's talk about the guy that uh, really played well two years ago and missed last year, and that's C.J. Mosley. Uh, the way I read it, uh, it looked like he, he had a pretty decent workout yesterday, uh, but clearly he's a guy that can make a difference. Yeah, C.J., it it, it's one thing after another for the, the guy. I mean, he came into the Jets two years ago with um, a Pro Bowl um, you know, run with the Ravens. Uh, looked like he could be the guy to build the defense around. Uh, he gets a groin injury in game one, trying to cover, actually not trying to cover, but breaking up a pass in the end zone against the Bills in the opener in, in uh, 2019. Uh, he comes back for a game, re-injures the groin, is out. Basically played parts of two games his first year with the Jets. Last year, he opted out due to COVID concerns, his family concerns. What can you say? I mean, the guy has not been on the field, so Jets fans probably, you know, have a reason to be, you know, skeptical. But the guy seems to have brought it back to the level it was at, if not higher, uh, than he had it with the Ravens. Uh, you know, Salah has said, uh, you know, everything about this guy has been impressive, A++, he said. Uh, so that's a good thing. I mean, the guy knows how to do it. C.J. Mosley now needs to... Uh, you know, show that he hasn't lost anything on the field and uh, bring it in the regular season for more than two games. Maybe 16 would be great or more. Who knows? Uh, but he still looks like he's got those skills that he he showed with the Ravens as, as a great middle linebacker. Now he's more of an inside, maybe an inside-outside guy with the Jets, but a, a linebacker who's going to be in the middle of that defense. And, and the, the players around him listen to him. Like, you know, it's... The old, uh, you know, uh, insurance commercial. Uh, you know, EF Hut. You know, everybody listens to CJ when he speaks. Yeah, he's Randy Lang of the Jets. Uh, so, realistically, what 
are the expectations for this team in terms of wins and losses? They won two last year. Uh, the uh, Vegas is saying the over and under is six and a half. The question I have is not about the wins. Um, they may be dramatically improved, but the win total may not show it. So it's, let's just say they win six games. Is that going to be a sign for Jet fans that clearly there is improvement? Well, I, I would have to say yes. Uh, I mean, I think a lot depends upon the, the unit we didn't really talk much about, which is the secondary. You still have Marcus May back there. He's teamed up with, with old pro LaMarcus Joyner at safety. But the corners seem to be very young and inexperienced. Um, so how they perform, you know, guys like Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, uh, you know, how these guys perform and, and who comes in to either replace them or, or play behind them or play in the nickel, is going to have a lot to say about how they survive, uh, you know, the big passing games in the NFL that they're going to face in 17 games this year. Let's not forget uh, one extra game. But um, if, if the, the DBs come around, you know, everything's pointing to a really good bounce back year. If that's six wins, I think that'll be okay. But I think they can do better. I mean, why not in the NFL these days, you know, uh, uh, you you uh, were around the Dolphins, perhaps when Pennington came down there, uh, Howard. I mean, no, they no. went from one and fifteen or eleven and five. They moved the hyphen. Um, uh, I don't know that the Jets are moving any hyphens from you know two and fourteen to twenty one and four. Let me let me but, interrupt uh, you. Let me interrupt you, know, you just for a second. Can, I think they can can approach that five hundred mark and and show the Jets fans that they're on their way back. Let me, let me just point to one thing, and you know this as as a guy that knows football. If you get pressure on the quarterback it takes the pressure off the corners and this jet front defensive line can give them that asset they can take the pressure off the corners by putting pressure on the opposing quarterback absolutely true and and i think that's a a big part of what the jets and sala and albrick are planning and we really we haven't seen quinn and williams this off-season preseason yet he's had a uh, a foot injury that was uh, bothering him in the off-season he's been brought along very slowly he's practicing a little bit this week with team uh in the team drills with the jets with the packers uh but as as uh, Salah said don't uh, you know don't take your eyes off him because he could be gone in and out real quick but they're bringing quinn along very slowly when he's ready to roll he and Carl Lawson should be a formidable force on the outside. Foley, Fadakasi, and, and Sheldon Rankins on the inside. It's an attacking front. It's a 4-3 that Jets fans haven't really seen since, uh, I would say, since uh, you know the Sean Ellis, John Abraham days, the Herm Edwards days, back when uh, you were calling games for the Jets on, uh, on radio. It was a great, uh, promising time for the Jets then. Uh, they haven't been back to that 4-3 look since then. Maybe this is the year that... It all comes together. It would be really nice to see the Jets getting to the quarterback for a change. Well, it's going to be, I mean, the NFL's got a sense of humor. And I say that because <laughs> they scheduled Carolina against the Jets in week one in Carolina. Uh, yeah. Now, Jet fans will look at it as, a, it's, it's silly to say that one the first game of the year is a benchmark game, but it is because of the people involved. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's Sam Darnold. I mean, he's... Uh, He's going to, uh, you know, Sam's, all, Sam's a very professional young man. I mean, he's not going to be talking smack leading up to the uh, the opener at Carolina. But you know that the guy's proud, prideful. He wants to go out and have a great game against a team that gave up on him after three years. Um, that's only natural. 
And so it's uh, th- that's going to be a- another angle in that game. And so the Jets are going to want to rattle his cage quite a bit. Yeah. If they can do that, I think that's a very positive sign that this is not a uh, you know whistling past the graveyard thing, that this could happen uh, all year long where the pressure gets brought. I mean, the, the Jets need to-, to have that pressure to make the defense work. Um, it's-, it's, a- it's a scheme that uh, can produce that if that's the way they're going. Um, and uh, the offense, meanwhile, has just enough going for it that even this year, um, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, I think what they're saying is, Zach, you don't have to carry us this year. We're going to carry you for a while. But eventually you're going to be the guy who, who brings great things to this team. And he's going to be learning all this year and, and producing, I think, with the people that he's got around him. So it's definitely a, a, a good vibe for Jets fans for the green and white moving forward. He's Randy Lang of the Jets. And look at the division. Buffalo is clearly the class of the division. They got to the AFC Championship game. Josh Allen has just signed a a lucrative contract. This is a very good football team that can contend to go to the Super Bowl. But after that, it becomes a dogfight for the second spot in the division. Now, when I hear Belichick say a week or two ago that Cam Newton was his number one quarterback, when I heard that, I said, really? You went out and drafted Mac Jones, and you're just going to immediately give Cam Newton the job. And now all of a sudden, it looks like he's come off that a little bit because Cam Newton said uh, he hasn't told him he's the number one quarterback. So that's kind of interesting. It is. I mean, you know, for until the Jets show that they can beat the Patriots, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady's gone, but Tom Brady will be back with the Buccaneers at MetLife Stadium this year. So uh, the Jets get to see old Tom one more time, and and they they haven't beaten Cam Newton yet. So if Cam is the guy, uh, they have to show they can beat him and offense and and especially that defense that uh, Zach Wilson will be going up against it has caused Jets quarterbacks forever seems. Uh, so many problems, but when they do that, then they can start to think of themselves in terms of, you know, all right, let's let's take a run at the Bills. Let's get to where the Bills are, if not past them. I think that's the big problem for Jets fans being patient. Is they've been patient mm. and they see all these teams whizzing by them. You know, it's like teams fell behind below them, then they're by them again. It's time for the Jets to make that move. They've got to beat the Patriots at least once at home, maybe twice. They've got to beat the Dolphins. And they've got to contend with the Bills, who are the new class of the division, as you point out. They have played Josh Allen pretty well um, in their, I think, six games. Josh hasn't been the quarterback in all six, but uh, they've played him pretty well. But he's going to get back at them if they're not careful. So Uh, they've got to bring the heat against the Bills and Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, you know, it's rare when the Patriots don't play the Jets towards the end of the season. They play, they meet them twice in the first six games of the year, which is kind of unusual. But I'm looking at this Patriot team. There's a reason why Belichick went away from his normal game plan. He spent a lot of money in free agency. I firmly believe that he and Robert Kraft sat down and said, this roster's not good enough. We can't do it through the draft. We've got to make it happen now. And I think part of it, Randy, and maybe I'm looking for, for, for smoke that isn't there, but I think when Brady won the Super Bowl, that got them to move faster than they normally would. Yeah, I think so, because... Uh... You know, they knew Tom wasn't going to be there forever, but, you know, you you, you have him and, and you're winning with him and you win Super Bowls, and so you you probably don't think too hard about that. But Belichick is, is the classic, you know, it's like, what, what have you done for me lately and what can I do to make this thing better? And so, uh, yeah, he and, and 
you know, Robert Kraft, you know, has the checkbook and, and Bill Belichick is the genius. And, you know, they, they went out and addressed things. Now, the, the Cam Newton uh, interregnum, I guess, uh, you know, last year, um, you know, didn't go as well as other seasons have gone for the Patriots. But you just have a feeling they're going to be back and competing. Um, you know, until like I said, the, the Jets have got to beat the Patriots at some point. If they don't, then there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, glum faces among the Jets fans and worse, as, as we all know, uh, because it's it's time. It's time for this team to come together. One of the signs of the improvement in this team, not the only one, but one of the signs is going to be beating the red, white, and blue of uh, Foxborough. Yeah, well, the other team we haven't mentioned is the Miami Dolphins, who won 10 games last year and didn't make the playoffs Right. But clearly the word's out. Brian Flores is a very good coach. Uh, I have one reservation about the Dolphins. Uh, I, I'm not sold that Tua Tagovailoa is a top-flight NFL quarterback. They could prove me wrong at some point during the year, but I want to see it because at this point, Randy, between you and I, I'm not sold. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we, we uh, the Jets did not see too, uh, much of Tua. I think they saw him for like uh, two series at the end of uh... – one game and uh you know uh, ryan fitzpatrick was the guy otherwise and uh of course ryan was a little shocked to lose that job but uh um you know i mean the dolphins will will give to his opportunity but uh, there's a guy that uh you know hasn't lit it up yet and uh again i mean the jets have got to show they can win in the division you can't go to the playoffs every year if you're always in the wild card hunt, you've got to win that division at some point. And especially in the AFC East with new England now back to the pack, this is the time to, to try to do it. I mean, the bills have replaced them to a certain degree, but it's time to tell the bills, Hey, not so fast. You know, we're, we're here to play uh, for that, uh, you know, title as well. And um, it, it would just, you know, let's see competition this year. Let's see the jets be competitive. They were competitive with the Bills last year and the Patriots, but they lost four games. So, you know, what can you say? I mean, they have got to show that they can beat the teams in the division and and go from there. Yeah, it's, it's always been the case with anybody. You want to win, you you, you play division games six times, and, and right. it proves to be the key to your success during the course of the year. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be vastly improved. Let's face it, you only, want, you only have to go from two games to six to show a sign of life. But the fact of the matter is that there are some Jet fans, I believe, Randy, that said the Jets should have tanked it to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't necessarily agree. I think he's a generational quarterback, and I like what I saw the other day in his first preseason game. But I'm okay with Zach Wilson. I think the guy's got a chance to be a big-time player. Yeah, I mean, uh, we went through it, um, you know, listening to to all of the noise last year, and I'm I'm never a fan of you know let's tank it for the the latest quarterback who's up. I mean, you know, if you yeah, just think of 0 16 and what that would be like trying to bring that forward under who whatever coach you have. Uh, I mean, you know, Robert Sala may have been able to uh, ignore 0 16 as as well as he's ignoring 2 and 14, but. Uh, you know, it's never a good thing to to, head, uh, to, to have a team head into the offseason with a winless uh, campaign under their belts. And uh, so, I mean, I you know, hey, whatever happens, happens. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, the next franchise quarterback. Perhaps the Jets have found him. We're going to find out. But Zach Wilson shows all of the, the signs that he can be that guy. So, you know, I mean, they didn't give Sam Darnold a whole, you know, 
long time to, to show what he can do. Uh, we go back, you know, to Gino, to Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, this is now, and it's time to show. Let's see what Zach can do for the Jets. It's time. Three weeks to go before the start of the regular season. The anticipation is is uh, electrifying, no question. Randy, thanks for your time. I appreciate the insight, and most importantly, you stay safe. You too, Howard. Great to talk to you again. Thanks. Thanks. Randy Lang of the Jets. As we uh, go one side of MetLife Stadium to the other, and we're going to go from talking about the Jets to talking about the Giants, and that means we got to hook up with Bob Glauber of New York Newsday, who's got the inside track on what is going on when it comes to the New York football Giants. That's what they used to be called, the New York football Giants. But we'll see. Here he is, my guy, Bob Glauber. How are you, sir? I'm good, Howard. How are you? So when was the last time the Giants were called the New York Football Giants? Wow. I mean, they used to be called the New York Football Giants all the time, probably in the 50s and 60s. Was it because, that long? you know, to differentiate from the, San Francisco, from the New York Baseball Giants. Yeah, well, I was, so it had been that long, huh? I didn't think so, but okay. Yeah. I take your word for it. Uh, here are the Giants... Um, they heard from the boss yesterday, uh, John Mara, who I have a lot of respect for. I think he's a really good guy. I love talking to him. I, I think he's a very interesting guy. The Mara family has been synonymous with the Giants forever. Uh, but he spent a lot of time talking about taunting on the field. Uh, I know that bothers a guy like Mara because he's on the competition committee. But I don't know about you, Bob, but when I, when I see taunting on the field, I don't have a problem with it from this standpoint. They're competitors, and if you're competing, you're going to say things. If, if if you say something to one guy, he's going to say something to you. I mean, is it is it kind of silly to even discuss it? But Mara made a big deal about it yesterday. Well, I mean, he, he addressed it. This has been an ongoing uh, topic with the competition committee. And don't forget, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, had the fun bunch in Washington, and you had – uh, Butch Johnson would kind of fake like he was getting shot in the end zone, the Cowboys receiver. Billy White Shoes Johnson. You had a lot of demonstrations, and they were great. I, I enjoyed them. People enjoyed them. But what happened was a lot of times defensive players, you know, when, when teams score touchdowns and they celebrate, defensive players will get angry, and, you know, they get that competitive competitiveness going, and they would have some brawls. So I think they tried to kind of balance things. Now, a couple of years ago, they did allow more demonstrations um, after touchdowns. They, they kind of invited celebrations. They understood that there was merit to it. And I think Mara's point is that they just don't want it to cross a line. And I think you, I think you know when that line is crossed. A couple of players were saying that, that you, you, know, you know what you're looking at, and that's when you run into trouble. Now, there was a play last weekend, a Colts running back carried like 10 guys on his back. I mean, it was... It was a great play, and he just flipped the ball back to the referee and was called for taunting. Now, that's where, and that, that's why this whole topic came up. It was a ridiculous call, and it is a point of emphasis that that was a call, I think, that will not be made in the regular season. Hopefully, they kind of get it out of their system. The players get the idea, and, and, they, and they dial it back just a little bit. For a play like that, a guy is just expending so much energy carrying literally an entire team on his back and he gets up and he, and he flips the ball. That is not taunting. 
That is right. celebration of an incredible play by a guy, you know, trying to make his way in the NFL. So uh, there is a difference. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. I would rather the league spend more time on the competition committee straightening out pass interference, uh, straightening out. Uh, look, the officials have a tough job. They're easily criticized, but they make mistakes like everybody. But when it comes to pass interference, I see a lot of pass interference calls that shouldn't be made. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I do feel the same way. And, and I actually was in favor of replay with pass interference. I know it did not go well enough in that one-year experiment a couple of years ago, and they went back to no replay last year. I, I'm in favor of trying to get things right as much as possible, including pass interference. Um, it's such a hot topic, and it's such a debatable call. And these, these calls impact games. You know, the non-call in the NFC Championship game in New Orleans a couple of years ago right. was the ultimate, you know, bad decision and bad call, bad non-call. And that's what brought replay in for that one-year experiment. And they ditched it because, you know, they, they feel it's a slippery slope. And I, I get that. And it can be a slippery slope. But I, I'm, I'm with Bill Belichick on this one. If you can replay as many plays in the game as possible to get them right, then you go ahead and do it. But, you know, the, I think the fans are okay now with, with no replay in pass interference until a play goes against their own yeah. team and they, and they freak out again and yeah. say, hey, bring it back. Yeah. I, I had a conversation years ago with Mike Pereira, who was head of officiating. I said, uh, let me bounce this off you. I think spot fouls are too penalizing. When you get a 40-yard penalty... I said, I would rather see what they do in college. It's a 15-yard penalty. And he goes, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, but no, I mean, there's got to be a, a severe penalty. And I said, but Mike, it, it determines the outcome of games. And does an official's call determine the outcome of a game, what you really want? And he says, no, uh, I can see where you're coming with that. But uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I just have a problem with, with a, a pass interference call uh, on, on, a, on a, a questionable call at best, deciding the outcome of games. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Howard. Okay. And I, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I buy it to a certain degree. Here's the problem. Here's the flip side of that. If you have only 15 yards for pass interference, like you have in the colleges, then defensive backs are going to take so many liberties with a big play down the side say there's a say there's a play that goes close to the end zone you know or if they just go 15 yards even if it's in the end zone say a defensive back is clearly going to get beat he goes ahead and pushes and you know interferes with whatever way he can with that receiver and the ball falls incomplete well he is rewarded for that because instead of a 55 yard touchdown it's a 15 yard penalty it goes to the 40. Right. I mean, I, so so okay. I, I know what you're saying there, but I, I think it adds an element of suspense. And, you know, these guys are the highest. They're at the highest level, both sides of the ball. So if defensive backs can get their job done and get it done in a good way and, and sometimes they'll get beat, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still in favor of that spot foul on that one. No, you make sense with that one. Let's. Let's address an issue that, and usually when you're the general manager or the coach, you come under fire. And Dave Gettleman has come under fire for a number of things. And most recently, uh, the question about when he knew about Kyle Rudolph's 
uh, surgery or when uh, you know. Uh, uh, so he's come under fire for that. Clear that up for me. What what what's what's really the scoop here? Well, the, the scoop is that the Giants signed Kyle Rudolph to a deal and agreed to terms like all teams do in this day and age. You know, you don't get a chance to see them necessarily. And they, they agreed to terms on, on a pretty expensive deal, about $12 million over two years, and which is a lot for a tight end, you know, who's getting up there in years and is pretty much limited to red zone efficiency. Um, so they de- determined... Uh, on the physical, that they, they knew he had a foot problem from last year, but they determined that he's got to have surgery. And um, they still agreed to the terms of the original contract. They were fair about that. And he did get the surgery, and now there's some question about whether he will be able to start the season. And Gettleman does, does not know for sure. So he was questioned about it and peppered with questions. When did he know about the, the need for foot surgery? And he felt... He said then to us uh, in the press conference that they knew all along that he would need foot surgery, but it turned out that they really didn't know all along. They knew after their doctors took a look at the foot more closely and realized it. So, you know, not a good look um, happens, but, you know, Gittleman, the fact that he is under fire <laughs> anyway, because the team has not been good under his stewardship, uh, it, it, it doesn't help his cause. I talked to Carl Banks the other day. And, and Carl will tell you the truth all the time. I said, uh, uh, is, is this a make or break year for Daniel Jones? And he said, no, don't get me started on that. I said, hey, I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> so he says, I, I don't think so. I mean, what are they supposed to do? So they, you know, give the guy the proper amount of time to, to keep his job. And he says, I, I think Daniel Jones is the right quarterback for this team. Now, ironically, he didn't play last Saturday. Uh, I, I didn't, never did hear the reason why he didn't play. Well, the reason he didn't play is like a number of teams, Joe Judge is holding his key players out of games <clears throat> um, and just using them when he, when he has to, when he feels he has to. I mean, Sean McVay has made a habit now of not playing any of his starters, key starters, in, in preseason games at all. Um, that's, why, that's why one of the big sticking points of taking away a preseason game, you know, the owners, they like the money of it, but they understand these are not real games, and most of the time, the key players are not playing. So, so Jones kind of fell into that category. Uh, he will play some in preseason. They, they got to get him some work, um, you know, to get him ready for the season. Now, I will say that it is more of a make, a make or break year for Daniel Jones than Carl Banks would, um, for this reason. You know, the, the league now compresses the quarterback t- development time like never before. You know, back in the day, you could be a first-round quarterback, get hurt, um, and not really blossom until your fifth NFL season. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But that's exactly what Phil Simms did. Drafted first round in 1979, injured, series of injuries, loses a job to Scott Brunner in 1983, plays in 84, and that's where he really kind of blossomed. That doesn't happen in today's day and age because you've got to make decisions more quickly on quarterbacks. The impatience has never been greater. So, you know, throw that all together. If Jones doesn't take meaningful steps forward this year with an improved cast around him, I think you got to say, well, what are we doing? What are we dealing with here? That's three years. You're going to have to pay him a big contract at some point in the near future. Do you 
give him that fourth and fifth year. Now, now with with quarterbacks, you have that fifth year option, so you could you know he could be under contract for another three years. And if you see enough, even if the record is not there, then you can say, all right, we're we're going to give him that fourth year, um, and that's going to be it. So I think, but this year is is huge. It's critical for Daniel Jones um, and for Dave Gettleman. Those two guys are really tied at the hip. Um, and what happens this year, I think, will go a long way toward determining what happens uh, down the road with, with both those guys. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with New York Newsday's Bob Glauber covering the Giants. I agree with you. I think their core, uh, their wide receiver core, is, is has improved. The addition of Kenny Galladay, uh, <laughs> the drafting of Kadarius Toney to go along with Slayton and Shepard and Evan Ingram. Uh, the offensive line, uh, initially considered to be a young offensive line, uh, you can't make any judgment based on the Jet game on Saturday because um, I think most people, well, maybe not Giant fans, but Jet fans were focused on Zach Wilson. What was he going to do? How was he going to look? Well, you know what? He looked poised. He didn't look great. He didn't make any mistakes. So I think he gets maybe a B grade. But from the Giants, what did you see? Uh, clearly, they were dominated statistically, but it did, did it matter? It really didn't matter to a large degree because Daniel Jones didn't play. Uh, what I think that was concerning for the Giants was the fact that their offensive line did not do a good job of, you know, it was Mike Lennon for most of the way. So, that, you know, you know that Mike Lennon is not going to be the, the guy uh, to determine the Giants' season. And if he is, it only means that Daniel Jones is hurt. But they did not do a good job blocking the, Jet, the Jets' mostly backup defensive line. So I think offensive line is a is a serious concern for the Giants. And, you know, Andrew Thomas, uh, first-round pick from last year, held his own, you know, didn't do great, but should be okay. But, you know, they're, they're in flux at a number of positions along the offensive line. They're still figuring out what to do at right tackle. Nate Solder, now he's nicked up a little bit. Um, the guard positions, Will Hernandez did not have a good year last year. He's moved over to right guard. Um, so there's, there's still some questions there. And when Dave Gettleman was asked about it the other day, he says, well, you know, we believe in our guys. And then in the next breath, he says, but you know, let me tell you something. We're always going to be looking. And I think there'll be a little bit more activity uh, through trades and, and roster reductions uh, at offensive line than perhaps you see in other years. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you the Giants are going to be on the lookout for mm-hmm. offensive linemen mm-hmm. because they are not entirely happy with what they've got right now. Well, we haven't even mentioned Saquon Barkley. Uh, are the Giants being patient with him or very protective? Uh, I would say a combination of both, um, but they have ramped up his workload in recent days. Um, listen, that's a that's a serious injury, and it's a guy who's, I mean, you Saquon Barkley is a specimen, man. He is a physical specimen. And he's got to be right. So I think they're taking it uh, carefully, but uh, starting to get a little bit more aggressive. And I, I suspect you'll see him out there for the opener. But if it's not the opener, then it will be shortly thereafter. I think he'll play most of a full season. And, you know, for his sake, you hope he, he stays healthy the rest of the way. Look, I, look, as an outsider here with the Giants, Bob, I, I would say that they've got as good a chance to win the NFC East as anybody. I don't think there's a dominant team. I think Washington, you know, the defense is terrific. We understand that. And now the Cowboys have Dak Prescott back. Uh, they've improved their defense uh, a little bit. 
I love the addition of Micah Parsons at linebacker for them. I think the kids are going to be a stud. Uh, but are they good enough to win the division? We'll find out. But I don't think the Giants are out of the, out of the conversation. Do you? No, no. I would, I would say the only team to me that really is not going to contend uh, would be Philadelphia. And if they do, then Nick Sirianni will have done a hell of a job, and Jalen Hurts will have been a much better quarterback than people gave him credit for. So uh, if you take Philly out of the mix, I think it is between jo- uh, Giants, the Giants, Washington, and Dallas. Um, I do give Dallas a, a slight edge uh, because of the return of Dak Prescott. Um, Zeke Elliott is in better shape this year. I think he's ready to go, have a big year, got a lot to prove on his end. And the defense is improved. Parsons is a very, very good addition. But also, to me, the the one really big addition is Dan Quinn. You know, when you mm. have a defensive coordinator who can kind of figure out how to do things, um, especially after last year, Mike um, – uh, Mike uh, Mike Nolan was just in over his head yep. as a defensive coordinator, yep. and and Dan Quinn is a really aggressive play caller. I think that Seattle defense you're going to see signs of that where he was really good, you know, before getting the head job in Atlanta. He ran a really aggressive defense in Seattle, and I think you're going to see uh, flashes of that in Dallas. So I think they'll be a better team. Uh, so I'll give them a slight edge in the division with the Giants next and maybe Washington after Washington's quarterback situation, certainly uncertain with, um, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You don't know how long he's going to kind of be good for, um, but defensively, that'll be the heart of their team. That defensive line is just absolutely terrific. I watched uh, with interest uh, uh, by, again, about a number of guys, Justin Fields impressed the heck out of me. Uh, I mean, you can give me Andy Dalton all you want. He's not going to win a bunch of games for you. But Justin Fields, I mean, if I'm Chicago, uh, do you want to throw him to the Wolves? Uh, if he, if you think he can handle it, why not? I think the well, guy's got a chance. I mean, listen, he's going to be the popular choice. There's no question. No, 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 no fan is going to say is going to pound the table for Andy Dalton to, to start and, and be the long-term guy, especially when you have drafted a guy like Justin Fields. Um, the one thing I would say that maybe Matt Nagy is using Andy Reid as a blueprint. You know, he's an Andy Reid guy. And what did Andy Reid do with his top quarterback that he drafted in Philadelphia? Donovan McNabb, there were calls for him to start the season, but Andy Reid resisted those calls and had a guy named Doug Peterson be the starting quarterback in in Donovan McNabb's first year. Well, he, let, he, got, he got crushed by the fans and uh, did, he struggled, and, but but Donald McNabb had the benefit of a little less pressure in the preseason and the early season. And then he was put into the lineup early that year and did well. So I think there's something to be said for, you know, just back off just a little bit. It's going to be a long career for Justin Fields. Let's get the start right. Let's not get him in there too early. Um, and, he, you know, he did do well in his first action but but that was against the twos and threes against the ones it was a little bit of a struggle so i think you'd see more of that if he were to start right away so i listen I, it doesn't preclude the possibility that he will be the opening day starter but i think matt Nagy, from his upbringing as a coach and from what he sees uh and having an experienced guy like andy dalton you know dalton is not like you know a career backup he, he has been a starter for a long time so um, I think that Nagy would take comfort in that, at least at the start. 
uh, and then get Justin Fields in there. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he's under that kind of pressure where he just puts Fields in right from from the get-go. But I, I, I suspect that Dalton starts at least the, the first couple of games. Yeah, well, let's get closer to home in New England. Cam Newton supposedly is the number one starter. Uh, I don't know how long the leash is, but I don't think it's very long. I, I don't think that, that Belichick would have any hesitancy in pulling the trigger on bringing Matt Jones into the game. Yep, I agree with you on that one, Howard. Um, you know, Belichick knows what he's seeing in quarterbacks, and Jones has had a pretty good camp. And especially in the last week or so, he seems to, the light seems to have come on. And that happens with young quarterbacks. You see it um, when they start to get it. Uh, they do get it, and it kind of sticks. So he's had kind of a, a few aha moments that Belichick might just say, okay, it's time. We're going to, you know, we're going to go as far as Mac Jones gets us over the long haul let's just let's just go there i mean cam newton is is what he is and that is a much more limited quarterback than he had been he just does not have the legs that he used to so that part of his game is really not there and that that hurts him um as a downfield passer he's you know he's mixed to not so good and you know you just can't have that in this league you can't be scoring you know you can't be having under 10 touchdown passes mm-hmm. in, a, in a season uh, and expect to be successful in this league. Well, before I let you go, real quick, the Giants. First four games, in my opinion, they're all winnable. Yeah. Um, I, listen, this is a team that and I think I think the re, it's interesting you say that because Joe Judge has been very, very um, – tough on them this this training camp now he was last year to to a degree but i think it's even more so this year because he sees an opportunity to be good early and couple that with the fact that they started 0 and 5 last year and that that hurt him that hurt the team they did rally and they did stay together and that's good um but i think that joe judge knows that with a fast start with a young team like this that will go a long way toward helping this group uh, over the longer term for next season, uh, for this coming season, and, and for seasons ahead. Because that guy, you know, I, I think he'll be around for a long time, um, and 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 now is the time. And he and he sees it, he feels it. Well, the, the quick start would would uh, cushion the blow because you got road games against Kansas City and Tampa Bay later on in the year. But uh, I think the first four games against Denver on the road against Washington, home to the Falcons, and on the road to the Saints. I think they're all very winnable games. Bob, as always, always great talking to you. Uh, You stay safe. Thanks again. Thank you, Howard. Always good talking. Take care. All right. Bob Glauber of New York Newsday. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with the Jets and the Giants. Who's going to be the better of the two teams? Probably the Giants. I think they're in a winnable division. Nobody stands out to me. For the Jets, it's different. Buffalo is the best team in the division, without a question. Buffalo is good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Well, close last year. The Patriots, there's a gigantic question mark about this team. And I don't mean it's a negative. It's Actually, it's a positive. Because, look, I think Cam Newton is a terrific athlete. I think he's a dangerous opponent when you're a defense against him because he can beat you with his legs as well as his arm. But I think the future of the New England Patriots is centered around Mac Jones. 
This guy is used to winning. And that, to me, is half the battle when you come into the National Football League. You come into the National Football League with the resume of, I've been a winner. And believe me, it doesn't go away from you. When you are waiting for the other shoe to drop, it does. When you are coming out of a, a factory like Alabama, where you're used to winning, and used to winning all the time, and used to being surrounded with a lot of talent. Believe me, was the talent around Mac Jones elevating him? Perhaps, but by the same token, did he learn something from it? And I think he did. So he's going from Nick Saban to Bill Belichick, and they're one and the same. They're close friends. They have the same coaching philosophy, and they're about winning. What happened to Bill Belichick last year was the team was not competitive. And meanwhile, the guy that he didn't want for two years, Tom Brady's down the road in Tampa winning a Super Bowl. And that just annoyed the hell out of Bill Belichick. That thing just aided him like a boil that couldn't be removed. Not only for the season, but after the season, and maybe even today. But Belichick has proven that he knows what he's doing. And so if you're asking me, was Belichick benefiting from Tom Brady or was Tom Brady benefiting from Belichick? And my answer has always been, they were great for each other. You folks have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live and a bite of the Big Apple. You stay safe. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube